Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to From Zero to Revenue, the show that features the journey of successful entrepreneurs from around the world. I'm your host, Chris Yap. Today, we are here to discuss how two very successful entrepreneurs transform their passion and expertise to revenue. I'd like to thank our sponsor, GapTech Global, your go-to company for virtual assistants. You can learn more about their services at www.gaptechglobal.com. I am very excited to introduce our guests today. Please welcome Penny Pearl, founder and CEO of 2Actify, and Todd Westra, CEO of Mokuteki. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, thanks so much for being with me today. Uh, I know both of you are extremely busy with with what you've got uh, going on, but you know I like to kind of set the tone for this show, as we're all aware, the employment rate being so high, so many people out of work today, and I think this show will provide inspiration to those people. Uh, who are experts in their field and who's been wanting to maybe kind of live their passion and help others. And so I I intentionally obviously chose you, Todd, and uh, Penny to be in the show, hopefully to inspire these people who's got so much to offer. I'm sure people are wanting to hear their stories. So with that said, Penny, you know, I'd, I'd like to start with you. Um, so to Actify, tell us your story. How did you come up with that idea to get into the business? What you do? What was your aha moment? And uh, tell us, you know, what the company is doing today. Sure. Wow. That's uh, those are uh, it's a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you that the name of the company to active to Actify is really based on the word to activate. And it means to take energy and take control over your career search today. Mm -hmm. So what we do is for people that are looking for a job today that see applying online as the only way to do it, because that's the way the HR and talent acquisition community professes. We teach people how to find a new job by creating magnetic profiles, magnetic resumes, and marketing themselves, outreaching on their own to talk with people that can refer them to hiring managers. So in effect, they're taking control over their own career search. And we have a system that teaches them how to do that. It's been very successful. But you have to activate. It does require a lot of energy. It's a lot more fun than applying online. So our aha moment was we actually started uh, with uh, some of the graduates of major universities and realized, boy, this is um, an audience that really needs to learn communication skills so that they can market themselves and see that there's an alternative to applying online. So what we did is we developed an online course. Our program is currently being used by Rutgers for their PhD candidates. 
So we work with a lot of scientists. Our program is also at uh, University of Vermont for their nutrition majors. And um, we provided an online course. One of the things that we realized in doing that was that it's really the people that have been around the block and have gotten their first job and know the scores to what's needed. Those are the people that we've been focusing our efforts on because they're willing to do the work. They're not going to take the first job that comes along. And they realize that the current system of looking for a job is broken. So early career seekers, I think it takes them a little while to realize that there's something well beyond applying online. It does take, I think, some reflection and some experience to realize that it's so important today to be able to know your value proposition, Mm -hmm. to meet people and start feeling confident and comfortable in developing relationships and being a resource for others so that you can get referred to opportunities. Absolutely. I think I think your business, uh, I would imagine, especially now, it's really like getting a recruitment coach somehow. And that's pretty much what you do. And I know we've been working together for quite some time now. What have you seen as far as, you know, with this, with the pandemic, have you seen an uptick as far as, you oh, know, yes. people looking for your help? I would imagine that's an absolute yes. But what have you seen? What changed? Um, just in the last few months? Well, there are definitely more people that are looking. There are a lot of people that think that all it's going to take is a resume. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I think one of the things that um, I see happening is that some people are blindsided and they're, they're becoming more aware of what's missing their confidence, their ability to be vulnerable, taking risks, reaching out to talk with people. The people that I work with, a lot of them are executives. Sometimes, uh, and Todd might be able to attest to this too, it's challenging for them to admit that Mm. that's something that's really uh, difficult for them to do, to to reach out to people that they haven't spoken with for a while or uh, that they've never met before. But um, once we get that on the table and declared, they're usually ready to challenge their skill set, take the risk, and learn how to develop relationships online. Because why would they want to be competing with 250 applicants and now sometimes almost a thousand to get to talk with a middleman? Mm-hmm. Why not market yourself, learn that you're the product, develop your skill set, and get to talk with people that are in your network who are decision makers and hiring managers? Well, I, I definitely think that you're doing an amazing job there. And absolutely, I think people really need your help, uh, especially those in the uh, trying to get jobs, uh, especially in, you know, in, with our current environment. Now, Todd Mokuteki, that is a very unique name. I actually love that name. I understand it's a Japanese term for something very important. Tell us about Mokuteki and uh, what is the company about? 
For sure. You know, when I was younger, uh, I actually lived in Japan for a couple of years and learned the language. And while I was there, um, one of the words, one of my favorite words is, is mokuteki. And it's the word for purpose is the direct translation. But what's cool about it is that it's actually made up of two characters. Uh, the one character is vision or to see. And then the other word, teki, it represents the way you do things. And so I love the imagery of the way you do things with vision. And so I kind of personally translate that into meaning aligning your actions or the way you do things with your vision. And so that's the basis of the company. I have worked for a lot of years on my own uh, as a an entrepreneur. I've had organizations as small as five people and as large as 350 people. I've kind of been all over the gamut. And so Penny's speaks the truth in hiring. You know, it's definitely about who you know, who you network with. Those people get better jobs than the people who just send blind resumes and and fill out an online application. I will say that, you know, Chris, there's a lot of people right now trying to decide, am I an entrepreneur? Can I do this? Do I have the fortitude to, to go without pay for a while while I build something? Or, you know, what's my threshold of pain? And so that's that's a lot of the things that I, I kind of focus on. Sure. And, you know, Todd, we've, you know, we've known each other for a long time, over a decade. And yeah. we've worked together on different projects. But I've seen you develop different businesses from scratch, from nothing to revenue. I mean, what's your mindset when you do that? I mean, uh, what mm-hmm. makes it clear, like, you know, your vision to transform an idea to reality? Is there like, an, you know, secret yes. ingredients there? Or how, 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 yeah. how, how do you make that happen? That's a great question. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, um, oh gosh, where do I even start there? You know, one <laughs> of the things that really helps me is, um, you need to think of the simpleness of every business there. You know, I, I teach people that, uh, I learned everything I know about business on my paper out. And when I was an eight and nine year old, well, until I was eight to 13, my brother and I had a paper out that we shared and we had to go out and market to our neighbors. We had to go, we had a supplier that would drop papers off. We had to stuff them with advertisements. And so we had to prepare and then we had to do the fulfillment. And then we had to uh, do collections at the end of the month and we had to pay a bill. So we had accounts payable, accounts receivable, marketing, sales, uh, fulfillment as an eight to 13 year old. And, And the older I got, the more I realized that no matter what business you're in, you have to learn how all those functions work together. And, and it doesn't matter what business you're in. So, so after returning home from Japan, I decided I wanted to do something in the golf business. And so I love to golf. Let's make a business out of it. I did. And we created a home putting green business. And the mindset was, I want to make money playing golf. I'm not a professional. Mm-hmm. I love to play. How can I make money in golf? You have to you have to really start thinking of not what are you passionate about, but what part of what you're passionate about can you generate money from? And so in the golf business, the easiest, the lowest barriers to entry at that point was we bought a distributorship 
a partner of mine and I into a home putting green turf supplier. And we're in Utah. And so, you know, we only get to play outside in the yard five, six months of the year. So kind of a tough, a tough sale. Well, we took that business and Gorilla marketed the heck out of it. And uh, we ended up as the nation's largest uh, synthetic turf putting green installation company in our first year. <laughs> That's and, amazing. <laughs> and the reason why was because we thought we got to be in the golf business. And this is, you know, we, we saw a pathway to revenue. Um, another business soon after that, uh, after I graduated from college and was married and had a baby and uh, I saw my first flat screen TV and I thought, oh my gosh, it cost $20,000 for a seven inch uh, thick 42 inch plasma. And I thought, I've got to do that. I love electronics. And so I loved electronics so much that I left my putting green business and um, moved to a resort town, tested the market. I, I ended up making a huge sale within my first two weeks. And I was like, this is a new business. And so, boom, a lot of educators and a lot of universities that teach entrepreneurship teach it backwards. They, they say, come up with your plan, come up with your business, and then go get some funding and then start your business. And the reason I say that that's backwards is they haven't even tested the model to see if there's a client willing to pay for the product yet. And this is you, you and I have talked about this a lot. You have to make sure that there are people willing to buy your product before you go all in and borrow money or use someone else's money to try and build out a business. And so always, 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 Chris, the thing that I've, I teach everybody when I mentor and coach them is if you're going to start a business, make sure people are willing to pay for that first. Don't waste your time on stuff that you think is cool, but no one else does. That's amazing. I, I mean, that right there is like, uh, it's an online course worthy. <laughs> <laughs> I would Which, like to add to that too, if yeah. I could. Um, first of all, I wanted to comment about your paper business. And yeah. that is you also had to deliver those papers in the rain, sleet and snow, uh, right? So it wasn't me. always the perfect environment to get the It was in Seattle. Done. Yeah. Okay. There you go. (laughs) Oh, you know, conditions aren't always perfect and you don't have, you don't have control over them. And the second thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, your ability to reinvent yourself, you know, based on what you see, what you, what you liked. And I think in answer to the question, Chris, that you asked earlier, what am I seeing? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of thought going into people thinking about entrepreneurial, you know, being an entrepreneur. Right. or the type of job that they want. So I think those that are willing to pivot and change some of their habits, use some of the new skills that they're learning from working from home, their communication, right. and just having the time to think about what do they really want to be doing for the rest of their lives, or at least for, for a time being. Reinvention and being open to that is really important. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, Penny, going back to your response earlier on when you put your the company together, obviously you, you, you saw a need, right? It's not just based out of like passion or this is just what you want to do. 
But what was your aha moment, uh, Penny? Like, what made you decide, okay, that's a problem I see, and that's the problem I want to solve? What kind of solidified, what made you solidify that action and decision to just go at it and just do it? I think the one event that really triggered it was when I spoke with somebody who was kind of entering the mid-career seeker stage. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, everybody tells you to go out and network, Mm -hmm. but nobody tells you how. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we developed is if you know you're at point A and you want to get to point B, we have a system that'll get you there. Mm-hmm. So there is a methodology to it and it's, it's hard work because you have to do things that aren't necessarily comfortable. Right. And I think we, you, you mentioned that obviously it's fear, right? Um, mm-hmm. So how valuable networking is and I mean, what can you advise people on how they can kind of conquer that fear in talking with people that they don't know? What would you suggest? Because I know there's a lot of them. I know a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens all the that. time. What would you tell them? The first thing I think that's important is to first reach out to the people that you do know, mm. people that are in your network and people that you, on top of that, have had some sort of relationship with, somebody you work with, they were your boss, they were a subordinate, they were a colleague. Um, just to kind of get the ball rolling. We actually have a guide on how to prepare for a conversation, and that's key, is preparation. Get to know who it is you're reaching out to, even somebody you don't know, by doing a little research about them, the company that they're working for. Um, Be curious. So you need to go into, into it with a mindset of curiosity, not I'm going to call this person because I want to work for that company. I'm going to ask them to take my resume and hand it to a hiring manager. It is a really self-centered approach. And that's why it's uncomfortable for both parties, actually. Mm-hmm. So go in with curiosity and go in with the intention of wanting to develop, to develop a relationship. The other thing is um, to go in as an equal because we all have a skill set. We all know people, we can make introductions, we all have our own resources. So if you go in with the mindset that you're open to sharing and continuing to engage, it just takes a lot of that burden away from the discomfort of of a conversation. And, um, you know, what happens is organically during a conversation, if you handle it right, and that does take practice. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's sometimes just doing it and learning from it. And you'll see it isn't as bad as you thought. But what happens is if you handle it right, you go in with the right mindset to give, then organically, by the time that call is over, then that person could be saying to you, Hey, Chris, it was really wonderful to meet you. I learned a lot about you and some of the skills that you have. A buddy of mine is at a startup and he's doing something similar to what you have experience in. How about I introduce you? Hmm. Okay. And if they don't do that, you're going to maintain the relationship and you're going to end the call by saying, 
the same thing to that person. It was great meeting you. I learned a lot about you. I was wondering, is there anybody in your network, based on what I shared with you, that you'd suggest I reach out to? So basically, you know, that right there, it's it's a skill. And we know that the skill can be learned. It, it You know, it's not innate. It can be acquired. That's why I think your service is very important, especially for job seekers. Because, I mean, otherwise, they'd be guessing and then they miss their chance, right? So that's why I think your what you're doing for these people, again, especially in today's environment, is, is very critical. Now, Todd, uh, I remember, you know, talking about networking and being comfortable. You're probably one of the few people I know who does not have fear <laughs> in approaching a stranger. I, I remember I was with Todd in one of his events. I helped him out. He put together uh, an event, like a team building event for Google. And we were in uh, Napa Valley. I was just so surprised how he approached everyone. I knew some he knew, but I was surprised that some people he was approaching, he didn't even know them. But it was just like so natural. So was that always a skill, Todd, that you had? Did you develop that? How did that happen? Because it was kind of magical. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'm the eighth of nine kids. And um, (laughs) in order to be heard, you had to be creative. And and uh, I like to have my voice heard. And so I had to be creative in how I approach people and talk with people. And mm-hmm. it is something that is na- I am naturally inclined to do that. That being said, Chris, mm-hmm. I've done it wrong, you know, a lot as a younger person, especially. There are skills in approaching people that you have to learn in order to not offend people, mm-hmm. in order to... Um, you know, show true interest in them and to, you know, to not necessarily to be authentic because I think that word gets overused right now. Mm -hmm. But I think that manifesting what it is you're trying to get out of the relationship, you know, when you see me at an event like you saw me at, my goal was to make everybody happy. I'm running an event. I need people to feel like they're enjoying themselves and having a good time. So my mindset is, I need everyone to feel happy. So I better look happy. I better be happy. I need to be on my game. (laughs) When I go into a networking event, uh, an in-person networking event for business, my intention has to be clear. I have to set my mindset. I'm looking for this type of person who has this type of spend, who has this type of need. I need to find them. And when I find them, I'm going to make them feel really good. Everyone else, doesn't matter. <laughs> no, that, that, and that's not totally the case, but it is the mindset you have to have. Otherwise, you get distracted. Mm-hmm. And so being intentional in a networking situation is so critical. I, I'm sure that Penny can talk to the fact that at a job fair or at a hiring convention or at a you know whatever, if you don't know the type of company you're interested in, you're going to get distracted and never, never really reach your main objective. Same thing in a networking or social environment. Know what you want to get out of it before you go into it. And that doesn't mean you can't be nice and friendly, but it means that you need to know who you need to be nice and friendly to in order to get what you want out of the situation. Now, Todd, talk about you know identifying the specific targets or the right uh, 
people or clients in, in your case. How do you identify clients or businesses who have, uh, I'm sorry, who are you know struggling with culture issues? Because I know that's that's what you're big on, right? How do you so, identify those? And then you know, I know you've got these three C's that you're really big on. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about that and uh, who's ideal client uh, for um, right. for your consultancy. Yeah, so great question. Um, you know, bad culture is very obvious and you can spot it from a mile away. A lot of a lot of infighting. You've got managers of departments that don't communicate. You've got a CEO that's that has no connection with their team. People quit, they have high turnover. It just looks bad from the outside. And so it, you can spot it from a mile away. And and so for me, um, as you know, Chris, one of my organizations, I had offices on three different islands in the Philippines and an office in Provo, Utah. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, I had to somehow make a connection between these multiple offices and all the people involved and the leadership in each office I needed them to be on the same page. And so it wasn't easy, um, but I figured out the recipe. And the recipe was these three C's. And the three C's of leadership, in my opinion, and I've been going back and forth with several people on LinkedIn about this, but there's lots of really great C's of leadership out there. But to me, the main three important factors are clarity first, a leader has to be really, really clear on what it is they want their team to actually accomplish. Part of that clarity comes from consulting with their leadership team and identifying where their vision should be focused and where they should be targeted. Um, the next step is to connect. So connection is my second C. And connection happens when a leader is able to identify with their people, with their leadership team, and even their subordinates underneath that, their needs, their um, and connect with them on a personal level, on a business level. What are your skills? Oh, it looks like I have you in the wrong department because you're way better at this. Have you considered moving to this department? Being connected with your team is the second C. And the third C is culture. Culture is something that can be managed I talked to someone today who was trying to convince me that culture needs to evolve naturally and that culture will manifest itself, essentially. I don't believe that. I, I truly believe that a good leader is able to design their culture based off of core values. And um, when a company has core values, people fall in line. And, and people naturally are attracted to those values. Uh, I've witnessed this with several companies. It's magical. Like I, I, I'm thinking of a company in my head right now that is the perfect manifestation of these three C's. I, I once walked into their office to, to meet with one of the owners and the front desk uh, person uh, welcomed me and just seemed so happy to be there. And I said, well, well, I hear that your company um, has a really solid mission statement. I said, do you know the mission statement? She's like, oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. Rattle right off. And I said, well, I also heard that you guys have five core values that are, that are super amazing. And she's like, oh yeah, 
you mean da 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 and she rattled them off and i was like this is not the head of marketing this is not the head of hr this is the front desk person and she was in line with from from top to bottom in that company everybody knew the vision of the company they knew what they needed to do to accomplish that and they had core values that hold everybody accountable it's amazing so to me chris every company in particular small to medium sized business owners they suffer because they they lack clarity they they're not connected with their people often mm-hmm. and because of that the culture does just evolve and it's not always what they want a lot of times to fix that they try to come up with some unique strategy for their business why are, why is the business stagnant why can't i grow my business and you could have the best strategy in the world you dump it on a bad culture it goes nowhere but if you've got a strong culture that believes in their leader and believes in the vision of where the company's going the strategy just evolves out of that like the teams want to accomplish that so they come up with strategy on their own they see the needs of their customers they see the needs of their staff and it gets exciting like it gets really exciting growth happens when there's a clear vision do you think there's an expiration on that like let's say you've developed a culture you know uh, the clarity the connection does that expire i mean it's ongoing. How this come, you know, some companies they plateau at a certain point, right? So, I mean, how, how is that addressed? And is that when maybe a consultant should come in or what are you honest, seeing with your clients? Yeah, to be honest, um, consultants are really important, mentors are really important. Make sure you have one that doesn't require you to depend on them, but mm-hmm. to my ideal relationship is to work with a company long enough to help them establish the culture. And, and the way that that happens is first establishing the clarity. Now, plateauing happens most often because they reached an accomplishment mm-hmm. here. Right. And now they're here. They continued with their status quo, but it's not exciting anymore. They, they, they've reached that plateau. They, they're not innovating anymore. They're not coming up with new ideas. They're, they're just stuck. And so they need to find new clarity on new things that are going to drive growth. This happens all the time. It's happened with my businesses. Mm-hmm. I, I reach a certain plateau and you get stuck. And that's when you need someone from the outside to come in and say, hey, look, have you considered this type of strategy to to attack this part of the market have you thought about this part of the market how can we take your culture what's going to bode well with the culture that you already have and attract new clients that are attracted to that culture you know that there's a lot of ways to look at it but chris it's an ongoing ongoing phenomenon and yep. and too many leaders get get uh, complacent and they get stuck and they're still making money but they're not scaling and they're not growing and people aren't loving their job as much. And and, and I would guess, Penny, you're, you're seeing that among your clients as well, right? Obviously, Todd's clients are more of the, the, the business, the, the, the businesses, your clients are the, the job seekers, but everyone, uh, individuals particularly, we do plateau at a certain point. And, you know, we, 
how important is it for your clients to reinvent themselves or maybe just to improve on certain aspects as far as, you know, them trying to get a job um, as individuals? I mean, is that part of the strategy that you teach them? Uh, how does yeah. that reinventing oneself come into play? I think, um, I don't know if I would call it reinventing. I would say, are they willing to pivot and do things differently? Right. And also have a strategy, a roadmap from, for where they want to be. And so the skills that they learn in looking for a new job, it doesn't end there. Networking um, is something that you should be doing throughout your career so that five years later, when you're ready to make another move, you pick up the phone and you talk with people you've been staying in touch with, you know, and also being able to reach out uh, to people in your company so that you can advance. I mean, there are some people that want to stick around with the company for a long time. So how do you advance? You advance by getting to know a lot of people in the company, managers from other departments, subordinates from other departments. Also, just by developing your network, you become a go-to person, right? Mm -hmm. And people like to engage with other people who are really networked. They're connected because they're a great resource. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And for those listeners, uh, you know, for our listeners, like I said earlier, who are, you know, contemplating on maybe becoming a coach or a consultant, how do you connect to and reach out for the ones that you want to help? I mean, what's your strategy? Definitely multifold because marketing today is, I would say out of everything, it's the, the greatest challenge in owning a business because there's so many tools available to us, so many social platforms available to us. Like, which one do you choose? Should you be on all of them? Um, I live on LinkedIn because that's where my clients are. Mm -hmm. So there are different ways that I reach out. One is just through networking on LinkedIn, going back to the people that, that I know that could put me in touch with others whose need that we can fulfill also, which is exactly what I ask my clients to do, right? So I, I have to walk my talk. So uh, networking, reaching out to individuals on LinkedIn. Um, if I hear there's a company layoff, what I'll do is offer somebody that I'm working with, make an offer to the people that they know who've worked at their company I'll do a webinar for them. So there's a lot of giving that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the reason for that, and Todd, I'm sure you'll agree with this, you know, you have to invest time, some money, some technology to get people to trust you. Because, right. yeah, who do you, who do you go with? And so you do that by giving, by referrals, those sorts of things. Uh, you know, we have tools that we share on social media. Um, one of the things that I'm going to be doing more of, I just started doing them, is more videos of me talking so that people can be exposed to who I am and what my philosophy is, letting them know that I understand what their challenges are. I don't always have the answers for them. 
but I'm sure willing to roll up my sleeves with them so we can figure it out together. So I really do view what we're doing together as a partnership. It's in part coaching because I know that many of them have their own answer. But also I do a lot of training because if I'm asking them to reach out and talk with people and they don't know how to do that on LinkedIn, we've got tools and a system to help them do that. And it's like when you're a salesperson, you've got to develop a prospect list right? and you have to develop a pipeline. So I help them understand some of those terms that their prospects are employers, employees of the companies that they want to work for, and they have to build their network and build the relationships, deepen those relationships so they can get referred. So a lot of it is outreach. Mm -hmm. A small portion is the attraction that you have through a great online profile and presence. When I say great, you have to have the keywords. You have to send the right messages so that people are attracted to you. But that's only the very beginning. And you have to be very conscious of what your value is and be able to communicate that so you don't feel like you're bragging and it doesn't come across as bragging. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of reflection. You have to look back and say, well, what have I accomplished? What was the result? I worked for a company for five years. What did I actually do? Most people don't, they struggle with that. Mm. And um, it's very, very interesting when I see somebody extremely accomplished and they can't come up with one value statement, but we work hard and they do come up with it eventually. What that does is it allows them to be more confident, uh, be a better communicator in conversations where they're introducing themselves to their network, and they do a lot better in interviews. So they're not the deer in the headlight when they get a question like, tell me about something you're really proud of. They're mm -hmm. ready. That's amazing. Well, you know, you mentioned the video as far as, you know, obviously it's getting your expertise out there, getting your brand out there. And I know, Todd, that's something that you've been like investing so much time and money and resources uh, in yeah. the last few months. How is that working out for you with when you pivot towards that strategy? Just like what yeah. Penny said. You know, exactly what Penny said. You have to, I would add to that, um, you have to be consistent. <laughs> not, <laughs> not only with your delivery uh, frequency, but also with your message. Um, uh, Chris, you know, uh, I talked to you extensively about this over the winter. Um, last fall, I made an effort to to put more time in on LinkedIn, and my messaging was all over the place. I mean, one day I'd be talking about entrepreneurship, then I was talking about leadership, then I was talking about uh, bootstrapping, and then I was talking about happiness and and you know life satisfaction or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's so easy to be inspired by other people's posts and then mm -hmm. want to want to replicate that. Um, that's not how you make an impact on LinkedIn. The, the way you make an impact on LinkedIn is you are consistent about your topic. You know what it is you're after. And people will see that and say, oh my gosh, when I want to learn about sales or if I need a new sales director, 
I'm going straight to this person because all they talk is sales and they are fluent in sales. This person Mm -hmm. is all about coding and they know how to code like crazy and they show samples of their coding and look at this goofy thing they did. I mean, you got to be consistent around your topic. For me um, and my coaching business, I, I did not, a big step that I, that I learned this winter, Chris, was to identify what differentiates me from, um, from other people talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and the, I think that the thing that really stood out to me was there was a bajillion people talking about entrepreneurship and startup and all that kind of stuff, which I feel like I could probably compete with and have fun with. But I didn't want to be just another guy in that field. I wanted to niche down. I wanted to be very specific what my skills were. And one of my skill sets that I feel like is unique to me is my ability to connect with teams, how to make teams work together, and how to make leaders understand how to get their teams to work with them. And so that's why I I kind of took the path that I did was don't just go on to LinkedIn just to be on LinkedIn. Go on LinkedIn and actually be specific and be intentional and and really know what you want. And if you don't know what you want yet, just get on LinkedIn anyway and just start connecting blindly and start connecting with people that could be a potential employer. Um, if you're a, if you're a sales rep, go connect with a bunch of SVPs, you know, and, and just talk with sales directors and sales vice presidents and and network with them. And guess what? Comment on their stuff. They're all posting. Comment on their posts. Make them really good comments. Don't just be like, great thought. You know, <laughs> make some make some really good points about the subject that they talk about. Because as someone who's posting daily right now, I can tell you there's some comments I get that are so thought out. I'm just like, who are you? Like, we're not even connected. And that was the most thoughtful thing I've ever heard. And so I reach out to them and I comment to them and I and I um, comment back. And I remember in my head their name and their profile and I connect with them. And if I need a sales director, I can think of five people right now that I would hire off the bat because they've engaged with me. Wow. So, yeah, I guess we both, we all could agree that LinkedIn is a great platform obviously for especially for b2b um now with linkedin i know it can be tricky because you can't be sales pitchy right you have to be very tactful and penny it's kind of different because they're not really sending but they they kind of really need your help is that like an advantage you're seeing on your end when you reach out to like specific individuals do they feel like you're they're being sold or do they feel like you're generally trying to help? And where is, I mean, where's the, I guess, delineation between being sold and trying to be helped? What have you seen? That's a great question. Um, I am selling just like they're selling, you know, when you're reaching out, uh, you're marketing yourself. So I am selling. Um, but I'm also, I also know that even if you're not looking for a job today, mm-hmm. six months from now, a year from now, you might be looking for a job and you can't just start networking and developing deep relationships when you want to change your job in 30 days. Right. So I'm patient in that I'm willing to invest in relationships with individuals because 
I want them, and to your point, Todd, you know, regarding posting, I want them for eight months down the road, a year down the road, when they're ready to think about a new position, they've seen me online, I've given them tools, then I'm going to be the person that they go back to. So give, um, give, give, and then give, take. give, give, and get. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I mean, today, can you charge for a webinar? Uh, you know, you it's far and few between, right? right? Right. So you try to put yourself out there in many different ways, develop tools that really right. are valuable to individuals. And, you know, I think just it's part of that developing trust that, okay, this person really knows what they're talking about. This person has given me a lot of tools. I've seen a sample of their capabilities. They've helped me a couple of times, and I'm, I'm ready to invest in myself. That, that's hopefully what, what they say. And quite frankly, when I have my discovery calls, I have them go through a form to self-select because our best clients are people who are pretty clear, getting to your clarity point, Todd, about what they want to do next rather than really trying to figure out what they want to do and get it all done in three sessions or six sessions, like figure it out and get a job. We like to work with individuals who are pretty clear on what they want to do next. And they're ready to roll up their sleeves and take action because I invest a lot of time and energy, mental energy, trying to help them also. Mm -hmm. So if they're the type of person that doesn't want to do the work, they think it's going to come easy, then, you know, they're more likely to stop doing it. I want people who are there for the long haul because I'm there for the long haul. Right. Yeah. Right. No, no, Penny, I, I know, you know, I've always seen, I've always viewed consultants, coaches are like, you know, obviously they're teaching you, so they've got some sort of superpowers, right? Sort of. What would you say, Penny, is like the superpowers of your superpowers and uh, to Actify that really help uh, your audience get the most value out of, you know, the help they're trying to get from you? I believe that in a very short time frame, with the hard work that we work together on, they they see themselves as a valuable contributor to an employer. They're more confident. They present themselves that way. It shows up in their profile, their resume, even their picture, <laughs> um, and their communication skills. So... I believe it's my job to uh, help coach them through the challenges, through accountability, and also help them declare their weakness and how they can convert that to a strength. So uh, I'm very positive when I'm working with individuals. I'm very direct in that I'm not going to use the word authentic because it is overused, but uh, I take a straight line to help my clients get to, to reach their goals. I don't like to beat around the bush. I don't like to extend things out so that they sign up for more sessions. 
I can put in as much energy as my clients need me to put in and I can slow down when necessary, but not slow down enough where they're going to lose their momentum because their goal is my goal. And I get just as excited for them when they have multiple offers in front of them or got a job without it being posted. I get more excited about that than anything. Right. So I share their joy. I think that's my why. That's what drives me is is to help them get to that goal. Well, I think I, I, I'd have to say, I know it's the word is overused, but I think one of your superpowers too, Penny, is you're authentic. And that's authentically real. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think people, it's easy to detect if a person's sincere or genuine, right? And I definitely think that's one of your key strengths. Um, that's why it's not hard for people to trust you. Um, and, and you know, Todd, talk about superpowers. I'm pretty sure with the millions of listeners right now, with a going ongoing pandemic, people are struggling. Companies are struggling. Um, and they're trying to identify you know, which direction they need to take and or to head towards to. So clarity might be, you know, it's being tested right now. Um, So what would you say to those leaders who is going through these challenges? Um, What would you tell them? So much. Having lived through the, you know, owning a business during the 2008-2009 financial Uh, conflict crisis, your ability to survive through those things depends on a lot of of small things. Uh, One of those things is identifying identifying your fastest revenue sources and sticking with those. Uh, If that means backing off some of the big programs you thought you could run, back Mm -hmm. off for a minute, keep cash flow coming in, make sure you have cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. And it may take a, a small distracted effort to make sure you're getting cash flow during this time just to make sure you can keep payroll going. But honestly, Chris, the the thing, every business is going to be slightly different, but the process is the same. You have to identify, you have to get clear on what's going to keep you alive. What's going to keep you um, feeding your families that that you're responsible for. Every day when I have a team underneath me, I think, okay, I have to feed 15 families this month or I have to feed 100 families this month. How am I going to pull this off? And I really look at the different revenue streams and I get clear and I tell my leadership team, hey guys, I know we had this program that we had designed to do, but COVID kind of killed that. We've got to focus right here, just at least long enough to get us through this and then we'll jump back onto this project here. And clarity, clarity, clarity. You know, I can't emphasize it enough. Leaders of businesses, leaders of an organization, if you want to keep your teams alive so that your company can keep them, get clear on what it's going to take to keep them. And and I can tell you right now, the companies that are doing really, really well are the ones that have the, the tenacity to jump back, take a pause, and get clear on what's going to not distract them too far from their from their current vision, but what's going to get them temporary cash flow long enough to, for them to fulfill their their end goal, the big mission? 
and let everybody know what's going on. Communicate, communicate in your connections. And those are some of the biggest tips. You know, my program, uh, the three C's of leadership is designed with all the fundamental commonalities that every leader can benefit from. When I went from running my company to consulting with Google, for example, and working with directors and leaders there, I was intimidated at first. But then I discovered that they were a little intimidated of me because I've worn all the hats. And for them, they're very channel visioned into one specific spot. And I found that, you know what, the problems are the same, whether you're in a multi-billion trillion dollar organization, or you're in a $100,000 a year solopreneur business, you know, the problem is the same. Expectations, being clear, and connecting with your clients and your and your people, and having a culture that will attract the type of clients and the type of employees and the type of people you want. You know, I, I, what really made my day, I had a CEO tell me, you know, attracting new hires right now couldn't be easier. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, my employees, ever since we started implementing these three C's, my employees have literally become fanatics about our company. Like everyone's excited. And because of their excitement, we're getting people applying that we're not even posting a job. We're getting people applying to saying, hey, uh, I've heard that your company is awesome. I do this. Do you have a need for me? And uh, I was like, that is incredible. That's that's one of the benefits of being clear and, and exercising the three C's, having a culture that will attract other good people. And and Penny, I'm sure that you, you know, in the back of your head, you know the companies you like to, you know, you, you get you get someone looking for a good job, you know the company you want to bring them to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's clear. And so the same thing right now, Chris, with the pandemic and with the other uh, problems that we're facing, when when there's a good culture and, and there's good connection and the leader is clear on what they're going to do about the problem, everyone has confidence. Everyone's confident in that new direction. You could drop any strategy you want on that good culture. It's going to go. It's going to work. And so that, again, is the key. My, my program is set up so that people don't have to pay a lot of money to have a consultant come on site and, and be there to hold their hand through everything. It's designed because most small to medium-sized business owners or leaders, they like to do it themselves, but they don't know the steps. They don't know what they don't know. And so what I've done is I've outlined all the steps they need to do to define the the core values, to define their vision, to really get clear on everything, and then strategize how to get their team to buy into that. And and that's why everyone's on a on a monthly fee model right now. I'm not. I I feel like this strategy, you know, to implement the three C's could take you two weeks. It could take you two years. I have a flat fee and I like to build a community of leaders who are trying to get there at the same time that can help each other, be there for each other. And it's a private community with a private course and, and a weekly coaching call with me to, to discuss what specific problems they're having. Unfortunately, we've got like a few minutes left and I'm going to wrap it up here. And, you know, very valuable session today for both business owners and job seekers. 
So, so Todd, for, for entrepreneurs or companies who want to speak with you and inquire more, what's the best way to reach Mokuteki? How can they stay in touch with you after the show? Right. So mokuteki.org, or that's a little tricky to spell. Just go to toddwester.com. <laughs> and awesome. toddwester.com Todd is uh mokuteki's great with the bit you know with the branding and all that stuff but toddwester.com is easier to remember <laughs> awesome awesome and penny what's the best way to stay in touch with with you to actify what's uh yeah what's the best way to be in touch with you well our website is to the number two Actify, A-C-T-I-F-Y dot com. My email is penny at toactify.com. And I offer a free discovery call. So, you know, um, that gives people the opportunity to talk about their challenges, what they're looking for, and see if there's some way we can help. On our website, we also have uh, freebies on the top navigation bar that uh, where we offer some free tools to get started if you'd like to see some samples of the type of resources that we can offer. That's great. That is great. That is wonderful. Well, uh, Todd, uh, Penny, this has been an amazing uh, show. I really enjoy uh, spending time with you both uh, today. I'm sure our listeners took a lot from this session. It's like an online course compressed into, into an hour today. It was it's really <laughs> amazing. I love it. Um, but no, thank you so much. That answers show. And guys, this is Chris Yap with Gapte Global, your go-to company for virtual assistants, specializing on LinkedIn marketing, talent sourcing, digital marketing, and online course development. You can find us online at gaptechglobal.com which is also the sponsor of this show from zero to revenue. I will see you next month. Remember, as Stephen Covey said, all things are created twice, first in the mind, then in reality. Take care. 